0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello, and welcome to episode 121 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, just quickly, before we jump into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. Now this is a 12 month online program where you have video training that teaches you everything you need to know about how to do your own PR. You can ask questions on the platform and you can also post your proposed pitches and media releases before sending them to journalists to get my feedback. You also get to jump on a monthly live group call where you can ask whatever questions you want about your business and you can get tailored help from me on anything to do with raising the profile of your brand. So it might be that I look at your website and give you some feedback or how to improve your LinkedIn profile and other marketing and PR topics. So if you'd like to find out more about that, just hop on over to veganbusinessmedia.com and you'll see a link there for vegans in the limelight. And now on to the main part of the show. In this episode, I interview Melissa Hobbs, co-founder of The Vegan Company in New South Wales, Australia. Launched in 2018, although the business was registered in 2017, the company is the go-to destination for vegan fashion and beauty in Australia. Its aim is to make vegan living stylish, desirable and accessible by connecting people with an ever-growing collection of sustainable, cruelty-free vegan fashion, beauty and feel-good news. The Content Hub shares inspiration, ideas and information, while the online store sells a curated range of vegan fashion, beauty and homewares. Melissa has enjoyed a successful career in magazine publishing, holding senior positions in advertising and strategy at leading mastheads including Vogue Australia, GQ, Elle, Delicious and News Limited. Melissa is also the founding partner of E-Fragrance, one of the first digital beauty retailers. Prior to launching the vegan company, Melissa co-founded Meat Free Week, an award-winning global campaign aimed at raising awareness of the impact excessive meat consumption and production has on animals, the environment and human health. In this interview, Melissa discusses why she left the world of mainstream media publishing to start a vegan fashion website, how and why the original vision for a global content hub morphed into a more localized version, why she chose an affiliate sales model to monetize the site instead of drop shipping or other methods, how she decides what type of content and brands to feature on the site, how the site has been funded to date, the benefits the company has gained from content retargeting and native advertising, and much more. Here's the interview with Melissa Hobbs from The Vegan Company. Hello, Melissa. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Katrina. Lovely to have you on. And I you're, understand you're based in the Northern Rivers, which is a lovely part of uh, Australia. So fantastic. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> Thank you. I know. It is It is fantastic. I get to Sydney regularly, but um, I do. it's a very special part of the world.
0: Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So now your business, it's called The Vegan Company. Um, so tell me a bit. I always ask people, as you know, and I know you're a listener of the mm-hmm. podcast, the first question is I always love to know why people do what they do. So what's your work? Why? What are your drivers for running the vegan company?
1: Yeah, look, I'll break it down into two, if that's okay, because um, I've got a personal why, which is probably a little bit different to the business why, but they sort of feed into each other. So for me, from a personal point of view, and I just I sort of, I sometimes get embarrassed saying this because it is a little bit cliche, but I want to be somebody that makes a difference. Um, I absolutely come from a space of a love of animals, and I feel that the way we as a society treat them is just unacceptable. And I suppose you know that's my thinking around that is, is that we've, you know, for a long time we've uh, hoodwinked is probably not quite the right word, but you know we've as a society we've probably been um, led astray by a lot of clever marketing. So that's probably a personal why for me. It's about making a difference um, in the lives of animals, and you know, and look, actually this is possibly something i read on one of your newsletters, Katrina. That um, you know when you think about a vegan business as a form of activism. You know if you can run a successful business in the vegan space then that in itself is about creating positive change so that's probably my personal why um from a professional point of view i was um, a vegetarian for decades and found the transition to becoming vegan really hard and i feel embarrassed saying that but it's the truth and um i'm vegan now but it's not my first attempt and interestingly, um, obviously, because I do live in the Northern Rivers, there's, you know, lots of amazing vegan food up here. We've all seen a change, you know, this explosion in terms of um, vegan products. Uh, but with fashion, I, I used to work in um, women's magazine publishing um, and you know, as do my, as did my business partners. And oh, I found,
0: okay, I oh, didn't you know that. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Who is it that sent me your info? Will, he admitted that's a that's an important oh, no, thing. He, I mean. he, he, <laughs> but his wife, Sally,
1: um, so <laughs> Sally, Laney, and I have all worked on Vogue Australia. We've worked on GQ
0: and um, oh, different magazines. Uh, <laughs> I think I read, you know, now I'm saying your name. I'm thinking it's sounding familiar now that you've said that. Oh, interesting. Okay. How yeah. long ago did you do that?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't want to say because I sound so old. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, not that long ago. Look, honestly, actually not that long ago. So I uh, left Sydney, gosh, probably uh, nine years ago. And up okay. until that time, I'd had like a 20-year career in, oh. in publishing. And it, we were on the advertising side. But by the time I left, I was um, oh. I was head of strategy for um, the, the group accounts department for in News Limited. So quite a senior role and across working across lots of different um magazine mastheads and brands Got it. so but anyway so going back to the why we just sort of it was sort of like uh, you know it was hard at that time it's certainly easier now but it was hard to find um fashion that spoke to us is what i'd say yeah. and it wasn't all in one place it wasn't easy to find um and i think that's really where the idea came from and you know, I, originally we were talking about a product, and then we were talking about a shop. And I think everybody at that time had probably the same idea around doing a shop because there's suddenly been this explosion of of vegan retail spaces. And uh, for us, it was just like you know, or well for me, actually, I remember I actually remember saying this. I went, you know, that's just not going to get me out of bed in the mornings. That just doesn't excite me enough. And I think what excited me is probably again from the publishing background is that a content hub, so building like a content hub, which also happens to have a place where people can shop if they want to from a, like, you know, a tightly curated range, it just made sense that, that as a content hub we can, you know, we can share information. So really the why for the business was to make vegan living stylish, desirable, accessible and actually connect people with this sort of ever-growing collection of information that's sort of around sustainability, cruelty-free and vegan in that sort of um, beauty, fashion,
0: life space. Fantastic. No, I love that. that. That's really interesting because, uh, you know, I think we're starting to see, as you can probably tell a, a rise in vegan beauty and vegan fashion. We're starting to see some amazing new Definitely. materials coming out. So it's quite an exciting uh, time to be in this space. So uh, that's amazing. Definitely. Just tell me quickly then, do you, like when you say you create a content hub like is this an Australian, like is this for a aus- predominantly Australian audience or is it more for a global audience?
1: No, look, definitely. Look, it's that funny, and you would probably—I um, know this. I'm even listening to a lot of your podcasts. What you think you know when you start out is not what you really know. <laughs> <laughs> not what it ends up. So the vision originally was to have a this global content hub, and you know, probably the thinking back then was around the time it was a little bit later, but it, they weren't really on my radar at the time um, when plant-based news and live kindly. Good. Oh, yeah. And so I think that for us what, I mean, and we are just huge fans of those guys and, in fact, we have a content sharing arrangement with Live Kindly, um, which Sal set up, which is fantastic, so we can actually post some of their content on our site. But we just felt that I suppose as we've gone along and as we've really looked at um, where our audience is coming from, it is predominantly Australia and we just, I, th- I think there is a piece missing. So, for example, with fashion, as you'd know, um, you know, they're now entering, as we're entering autumn winter, they're entering spring, summer. So yes. we. Yeah. Yes. So when we were doing the content, when we were thinking we were global, it was like, oh, mm, this is tricky actually. <laughs> how do we how do we address this? And then even on it from a social point of view or well, if we're pushing the content out but our audience is largely sitting here, well, they're not actually interested in summer dresses because yeah. they're actually interested in scarves at the moment or boots versus, you know. So we're definitely, we really want to own that southern hemisphere space.
0: Great, nice. And I think that's great. And it's a very good point. I know from friends I've got who work in that vegan fashion retail space, they say it can be really tricky, because like you Mm -hmm. say, with the seasons, um, that, you know, we're literally completely opposite. So that's great. Okay, that's awesome. So I love that you've identified um, a space that hasn't really been owned yet in, in Australia yes. or in the Southern Hemisphere, as you say. So that's fantastic. So tell me a little bit then about, and I know you've got this background in, in publishing, but what were some of your key challenges when you were first starting out with the business?
1: Look, I think it's possibly the same for most people when you are choosing to do a startup and fund it yourself in the early stages until the revenue generation starts to kick in. So it's time and money, you know, that's what it really comes down to. And usually when you start, you're juggling potentially other things as well. Um, I've got children. Um, Sally, um, has, who's my business partner, has, you know, she's got three children and, you know, she, she lives in Sydney, but, we're you know, it's b- we're busy. And so it's always about the challenge is really two things. How are we spending our time? And, you know, look, interestingly enough, I've got this massive clock that sits up on my office wall and its only purpose, it's actually not even ticking at the moment, it's probably not a good sign, but um, <laughs> its only purpose is to visually remind me, each day that the, the biggest resource I've got at the moment is my time. So how am I spending it? You know, where am I putting my energy? Because when you run a business and your back's against the wall because you need it to make money, it's like, what am I doing? What decisions am I making? You know, am I, am I solving a problem for people? Um, you know, yes, yeah, so time a and, time and money, I would say, and
0: how you choose to spend those. Mm, got it, got it. So, what was involved in because so, This is a content hub, and I like so some people in uh, listening might think, "Oh, well, that's kind of easy enough to set up." Yeah, you can kind of set up a blog <laughs> or a, a template website and stuff. So, um, can you maybe dispel some? Because I know as well, you know, obviously, being background in journalism and you know, creating mm. content hubs. It, there's a lot more to it than that. So, um, tell us a little bit about your model because you mentioned um, that you you've got the, the the content, and then you've got um, affiliate um yeah. way of doing business uh where people can an affiliate model just for those who don't know is where uh, you provide a special link and you mm-hmm. click the, the customer clicks they buy directly from the retailer but you get a as the affiliate get a commission off that sale so tell us about that model why you chose that model as well like, mm-hmm. as opposed to say drop shipping or even um you know like stocking uh goods. yes um so tell us a little bit about that stuff. okay
1: Look, first, um, you know, I think the general consensus is, is that it, it can be challenging to make money off a content hub. Yes. Um, that's the general... And, and I think a lot of that comes back to uh, as an, the internet as a, me- as a platform or as, you know, a media source, um, there's an expectation that, you know, the content should be provided for free. And that's really tricky because it actually isn't free to produce. So,
0: yeah, very that, good that's... point. I hope. It, can we just pause there? <laughs> I just want everyone who's listening to actually take note of what Melissa has said. Yes, there's an expectation of content to be free, but it is not free to produce. Thank you. I love that. It's a really good little soundbite. Okay, carry okay. on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so so for us it was um you know when we were looking at the modeling so as i um talked about when i spoke about the why you know the original thought was oh we'll do a shop that's what we'll do you know there, there's not that many around at that time there wasn't um let's do a retail shop and when we re- we, we spent a lot of time i was working with laney actually at this stage who i'd um run a previous campaign with called meet free week and we i've, I've run an ex- Oh, gosh, I sound, I really feel like I'm showing my age. But anyway, um, I, I run a, um, <laughs> an online retail business with my ex-husband, which I'm still involved with. So it's a good little business. And, um, you know, that runs a full-service warehouse. So I, I had experience in that. Um, we have a really good friend who um, owns an Australian retail marketplace called Hard to Find. And we used to work with her in publishing oh, as well. yeah, I've heard with.
0: of that. Yeah. yeah,
1: great business. And, we, you know, we, we're all very close to um, Eri and... So we had a lot of, um, I suppose, mentors and access to information um, where we could really drill down into the different models. And I think, you know, running, it's just that thing where I think it can be really easy to, again, it's a bit like the content, but with retail, you can go, oh, but you get so, your margins are so much greater when you run your warehouse, but you've got to factor in the, the picking, the packing, the materials to do that, the, um, your dispatch uh, setups. In terms of running a marketplace, um, and we did look at that quite seriously. So the marketplace is really where you've, you're housing, you're bringing everything together onto um, a central location online. But you're drop shipping, which means you're not actually handling the physical dispatch of the merchandise. Yeah. But because you're the marketplace, you are responsible for the entire customer journey. So the customer is housed within your site. So look, your margins there are better, you know, than um, than if you're doing an affiliate program. But you know, with I suppose, with a bit of Arie's help and just um, really looking at looking at it, we came to see that there was another option available to us, which was the affiliate model. And although the margins aren't quite as big, when you factor in <coughs> sorry, excuse me when you factor in that you're not needing to um, you know have customer service like actually have staff who are managing the customer service who are um, doing the transactions, tracking all the orders, it does become and it, and it became an easy decision for us. It was like, wow, we can actually curate. We can choose a handful of people that we really want to work with. And we've got some fantastic brands. I mean, the shop is still a bit of a working process or progress, I should say, to be honest. But, you know, we, we've um, partnered with people like um, The Iconic, um, Gunas, Angela Roy, Um, the Iconic has brands like Sans Beast, Matt and Nat. We've also um, have an affiliate partnership with Flora and Fauna, the Australian brand, um, the V-Spot, which is another fantastic vegan retail brand. So from that point of view, I suppose, we were able to um, partner with brands we wanted, um, individually negotiate, um, you know, what commission structure. So I suppose the big challenge we have there is, if we're putting forward content on the content hub, so we do these things called fashion collections. So a recent one might be, a recent one was, um, you know, nine vegan backpacks that you've got to get your hands on this winter. and But we will only work with the brands we like. So I think that's always that challenge really from a business point of view. It's like, okay, we need to have editorial integrity because if we're solving problems and we're recommending brands we need to make sure they are really brands that, that they are brands that we love and that we would recommend even if we weren't um going to make a small commission on them. So we do have a disclosure. Sorry, that's my dog. I shouldn't say you might want to stop Katrina. Sorry. Oh no, that's
0: all right. I have dogs oh, my and cats come on the God. podcast. What's his or her name? Her name's Ruby and she's Ruby. really old. Oh well, just say state. hello to her. <laughs> hello, Ruby. Hello, sweetheart. Don't worry. I've, if you you've probably heard, I, I always say hello to the dog or, or cat. Often they're quite. Oh, it makes me feel so unprofessional. Oh, not at all. Like it's lovely. Um, I, I quite like. It. I've had a kitten meowing, and then when we actually said her name and acknowledged her, she was quiet for the rest of it. The only exception I oh, okay. had, Susie Welsh, was on, who's wonderful. She's got two amazing. I think they're great Pyrenees, and they kind of wouldn't, even though I did acknowledge them, they didn't. Be quiet, so they kind of had to go You're out the dying. room. But generally, they're all fine. I've
1: been so. like <laughs> nice have meetings that I'm not exaggerating with, like my chickens, <laughs> like one with they were chicks, so, like sitting oh. on my screen. Just anyway.
0: You oh, like I love it! That. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. No, look, I love that. Thank you for explaining that because I think that's helpful for people to know that there are these different models because I know a lot of people are getting into like this online marketplace um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the whole drop shipping. And it's interesting that the margins yes. are better there. But like you say, you've got to factor that in with the whole customer support because their kind of yes. the customer service experience is still going through your website. So at the end of the day, you're kind of relying on, uh, you know, other companies, if they mess up, it's you that's going to, you know, get the blame kind of, they'll be, be perceived to do be messing up so um so the affiliate model is is, is an interesting one and like you say you i was just going to say there's a huge i mean shop style which is obviously
1: not vegan but i mean people will sometimes say oh but you know if your customers go you're not capturing them and it's like well they're not coming to us necessarily because we're but to shop necessarily but they can shop if they're there hopefully they're coming to us because They've seen one of our articles, whether it's on, you know, the best vegan trainers, the best vegan backpacks, knitwear that's cruelty-free. So they're coming to us for content. So that's really when we say the model's built around content. So ShopStyle is a full affiliate um, model, hugely successful, and they they also have a very strong content component. It's a a different model to us, but the retail side is a very good example of how, you know, as a retailer it can actually work.
0: Absolutely. No, for sure. That's, uh, that's really helpful. No, and it's good. And like you say, you can negotiate um, different uh, commission rates with different retailers. And yeah. I love what you said about the editorial integrity, which I'm big on as well, you know, like I'll only take on like, for example, you know, working with someone on PR consulting or, or done for you PR and only if, you know, I would be happy to champion that brand anyway, it's got to kind of fit with that integrity. It's not just, oh, yeah, well, you're giving us money, therefore we'll, we'll promote you. So exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. So exactly. it's, it's good that you're, yeah, finding that balance. Interesting enough. So just out of curiosity, because I know w- while we're on the subject of uh, kind of revenue raising with content hubs now, a lot of the, um, the, the content hubs are introducing advertising models as well. I'm curious as to, mm. do you think that's something you, you might plan to do down the track or are you sticking with solely with the affiliate model at the moment?
1: Look, I think we will. it's funny you should say that because we we are looking at it, and it's just such a tricky thing, isn't it? because the options obviously there's Google Adsense, um there was another one I just saw recently. it's just it's tricky when you can't always control I mean, I know you can block certain ads um it's just down to whether then that changes the user experience, so I, I think ultimately we always come back to i mean I think what we what one of the other things we're looking at is sponsored content because we can have a greater control over that going back to this editorial integrity again. We have been approached and we haven't gone down that path yet, but I think that is something that we might look at. And um, oh, it's, it, it, so the, I don't have a clear answer other than to say that we are discussing it. And I think it, it's always about weighing up, you know, will the... It, it concerns me that, you know, it, it, the, the the revenue generation might be quite low in in terms of what you're having to give up from a user experience on the site. Mm-hmm. Got so it. it's sort of, it's about weighing up whether, okay, but you know, I, 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 would, I certainly wouldn't rule it out.
0: Got it. Got it. So, in terms of with the content, so who creates that? Because I know with, I had Jodie from Live Kindly on the, mm. the show recently. And um, I know in the beginning, um, you know, for about the first year or 18 months, um, she got people like creating content for free to kind of create yes. this community. And then as soon as, you know, she had some revenue coming in, uh, she started paying her writers and her uh, content creators, which was great and ethical. So, I'm curious, are you taking a similar role to who creates your content at the moment and how often? Um, and if you have external control, contributors How does that work in terms of you paying them? And if so, how does that keep your business sustainable, yes. particularly at an early point? Yeah.
1: So it's a bit of all of that. Um, the original model was actually um, to have, I don't know if you're familiar with Mind Body Green, but yes. You know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a bit of the modeling for the content hub, actually. So we would have this huge array of voices from the vegan space, probably not dissimilar to what Jodie was doing. Um, the problem with that, and actually when we did launch we did actually we approached from our publishing days we had access to people from meet three Week, so we were able to gather quite a lot of diverse content and i suppose the trouble with that is that you can it can it can start to sound off-brand i suppose if you're trying to you know have a you know a sort of a, a certain brand voice um you can you can get these other voices in that uh, which in itself can be great. So what we have found we always had a budget in for, um, for contributing writers because as I said earlier it's not free. <laughs> so that was always <laughs> built, it was built into the budget right from the get go. Oh nice. Um,
0: That's good to know. Yeah.
1: So and we've so we we'd worked with um we'd worked with a beauty writer Shona Walker on Meat Free Week and um, some other some other again back to publishing. So she's very experienced in the beauty space um Sarah, who we work with, is also ex-Sunday uh, Life editor. So we, I suppose we're connected in that sense. And then we were able to reach out through people we knew more into the vegan space. Um, I've also done some writing, to, you know, it's probably then very heavily subbed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sally's got a, she's got a really good background in fashion. We've got um, a couple of young writers. So we have been lucky. I wouldn't say it's an internship as such, but, you know, um, Zoe works at an ethical fashion store. She's got a degree in fashion design. She's been doing some of our collections. Uh, So I I suppose um, from that point of view, we've got a combination of people that are working for very little and they're doing it for the experience. We've then got some more experienced writers who are being paid and they're probably doing us a little bit of a mate's rate deal because we're mates. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so I, I, it's kind of a bit of an all. And look, the, the, the pub we would love to increase our publishing frequency. I mean, we publish a minimum of three to four times a week where we can. We'd love to be doing that daily. And the other thing we've had is so Sal I mentioned earlier had you know reached out to Jody and we can we're, we're able to take their content and share it. So there's also this other I suppose cross pollination of content. Yeah. So like a republish?
0: Do you mean like a straight republish and then say first? Yeah, straight mm-hmm. republish. Mm-hmm. And Got it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, And there's a few people that we do that with. And we've also had people that have approached us. So we've got it on our site that if you'd like to write for us, please do. And I hope no one that's applied to us is listening to this because some of it is just, you know, it's not, it's just, and so many people, I think they're just on a, obviously they're doing the whole seo thing and looking for backlinks
0: so oh, I people, yeah, oh i get those yeah i know my what goodness. you mean like, oh they oh, drive me mad <laughs>
1: yeah it's like we're called the vegan company our audience yeah.
0: is you
1: know we're talking to vegans or people that want to be vegan
0: <laughs> uh, yeah so, you know,
1: can you if you can if you know what what i'm just trying to understand the i mean we've got now a, a nice little reply back and it's not it's not to be awful but it's again that thing when we started you know, I used to labour over these sort of responses and not wanting to offend people. And now it's like, you know, just cut and paste.
0: Our Absolutely, response, you know? <laughs> yeah. In case people are listening, it's like, yeah, there's people that kind of go, oh, I'd love to write a guest post for your site. And some of them even go to the trouble to say, here are a couple of ideas, but they're like so generic and it's so oh obvious that, they're, that I'm just one of probably a hundred or more sites that they're, you know, <laughs> and they don't even mention, and yes, I'm a vegan. And, they, and also I've noticed well, they don't even put their contact details. They just put their oh, name there's no phone number there's no web like it's it, yeah it's so I, true. I know it's so frustrating. to be perfectly honest i mean i i haven't even necessarily got a cut and paste often with those i just delete them as a lot of <laughs> media as you know you're working in media and editorial i'm sure you're i know you said you worked in the yeah. account side but you're i'm sure your editorial colleagues would just you haven't got time to just reply to those just delete 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 um so yeah if you're oh, listening absolutely. and you want to pitch yeah. to melissa make sure that you um well, you've got lots of tips on my website on vegan business media on how to approach the media uh, in a way that will maximise your chances of actually getting published. So great. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's interesting. Now you touched a little bit on um, uh, 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 funding, but how's the site? How's the business been funded to date?
1: So, to, so we'd um, all as in like we'd put money in um, and then set a budget and then obviously have our incomings and it's look at it's probably like all businesses and you would know this as well you know you, you start out and what you think you're going to be generating is quite often not what you're generating um but in saying that you know it's I wouldn't say it's better than expected but knowing having run businesses before and knowing that everything takes twice as long um we're getting there like it's you know I, I suppose there's that constant uh you know, one of the things in terms of a challenge is, you know, we constantly regularly look at the budget and it's just sort of like, where are we spending? How can we be spending better? We have regular, which is our SEO guy. So one of the things that has been working well for us is using a um, content retargeting program. And where we take our content, the ones that are, you know, solution focused with affiliate links and then, you know, placing them, you know, in front of our target audience and driving them back to the site. So, you know, things like that, we can see we're we're seeing really strong growth of that particular activity or tactic.
0: Um,
1: yeah, I don't, does that answer the question? Is that much? like, it's like it's, is that
0: like where people go to the web to a website and then your ad appears on them? So it's not an ad. What it is is it's down the bottom. It will say so you'll read an article and then
1: you'll see down the bottom it will say you might also like or um,
0: oh yes, class. one yeah. of those. Yeah. So then oh,
1: okay, those, yeah and it's working it definitely without a doubt from a um you know from a traffic driver point of view mm-hmm. um we, i would definitely say there's a correlation between what we're seeing in terms of because we haven't really put a lot of money behind social like our social numbers are quite small and it is something we're now looking at um because i suppose we needed to look at how we would be generating revenue so it was like okay I know people do, do use social from that point of view, but I think for us um, social has been more about letting it grow organically and just, we have started putting some money into Facebook and we are starting to see growth. And then as the, adult, the, the sort of the discussion that we always have is, oh, is our audience even on Facebook?
0: <laughs> <laughs> with what you just touched on with content retargeting, is that also, are you talking about native advertising as well as it sometimes can also be known as, like from our part. Oh, I, it, unless so the it's, terms uh, I, change, maybe the terms change because it yeah, sounds I, like
1: I don't. We it probably is. We we call it. Well, um, our, our digital guy Dan calls it. Uh, yeah, uh, content. He calls it. It's like it's. Uh, there's outbrain, and I think there's. That's the right. one. There's yeah, taboola or something. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 I know tabula, what you mean. I think it used yeah. to be called out native advertising. They must have changed it to give it more of a. Um, oh, maybe it's called that, but that's how he refers oh, to okay. it. Oh, okay. That's interesting you've had success with that. What kind of sites, you don't need to necessarily name names, but what kind of sites are you... Putting your. I, you'd ask. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. Know. That's not true. Actually, i have. Do you know what I do know? But I'd have to go and look. We get obviously when we we do our whips with him, so we have quite a detailed report, and we can yeah. log into the dashboard. This all sounds really technical, and I'm actually not that technical. But we, you log in, you log into the dashboard, and then actually by. Um, article you can see how each is performing and it does say the ones I'm happy to come back I'm happy to even send you something
0: Um, I'm just curious like whether it's fashion websites mainstream media or whether it's more independent type um sites that you're you're going on yeah just I was just kind of curious because that 's an pretty
1: interesting mate, look from what oh, i 'm going to make this up but i 'm just going to trust that my instinct is right because I looked at the report just the other day, pretty mainstream and pretty targeted <laughs> that 's what I would say, so um and interestingly, I think the the next conversation we 'll be having is really looking at okay well what 's working and what 's not working, and there's some things that have really surprised us. Uh, Oh, because they're not necessarily... So one of the things that we found really resonates um, is, like, good news stories, which don't actually help us. Interestingly, I mean, they help us in terms of... But people love it. It's really interesting. Like, you know, so things like, oh, um, well, you know, when um, Schnitz did the vegan menu, when Grill did their that meat-free Monday recently. Yeah. So they're kind of non-vegan, you know, big places. So when those... So we, we sort of mix it up with some of the what I, what I call pain point uh, editorial where we're solving problems and that they tend to have affiliate links to their collections, the fashion collections or beauty collections. And then we also will put in some of the, um, you know, they're just the good news stories. And, they, yeah, they do really well. It's, it, it's interesting.
0: Right. When you say do the good news stories, you mean on your website or in the content retargeting? No.
1: So he's he's also done. He's he has placed some of them. It's only because it came up the other day, and one of the most popular was actually that grilled one. That's why I'm seeing it in my i sort of in my head. I'm picturing it, and it was at the top of the report, and it did um on on the dashboard. Wow. So it had yeah, it had just done. So I think you know it's for us as well. Like so, the combination is obviously to get people onto to your website
0: yeah where they can absolutely. see what else you do yeah exactly absolutely exactly. now that makes a lot um, of sense thank you for for sharing that that's uh, that's really interesting and um, so in terms of your demographic what's your um, predominant demographic in terms of location i don't know we've discussed your you're now focusing mm. on australia if you've got those because i know you've put your site's been going since about i think 2017 um officially so in terms of what, what's your kind of breakdown in terms of location age gender who's your main market
1: Um, Okay, so with the website, it actually didn't launch. We spent quite a lot of time working on the model and then also going back to that content thing, gathering, it took so long to pull all the content together so that when the hub launched, there was a really deep body of information within the hub. Um, But in terms of the audience, and look, this is one of those things that we actually got right and we did spend quite a bit of time looking at it. And again, going back to the work we did on Meat Free Week, we could see that there was a lot of um, young women, university-age women, um, who were really passionate about what was happening in this space. Um, we also know from the fashion magazines that, you know, younger women have that sort of disposable income to spend. So we put a target audience of, you know, that you know it was really millennial women back then, but I'd say now it's really stretched as they're getting older to Gen Z. But women, women, 18 to 35, who would identify as vegan or who are vegan-curious, Um, so, and that's, I I can't actually attest that they're they're vegan, but in terms of straight demographics, that 18 to 35 is pretty much what we're hitting women, which is great. Um, that would be about 60 to 70% of our audience. So that bit's tick. Um, Mm -hmm. And in terms of uh, Australia is definitely the, the biggest part of our audience. But interestingly, since we've been doing this content retargeting, we are, and look, this is an interesting thing because it's like, oh, we don't necessarily want this to be happening. But we are seeing some growth um, in the audience from the US and the UK.
0: Right, right. Cool. Are there anything similar in the US and the UK to what you're doing that you know off, off the top of your head? I know there used to be Ikarazi, but when that got bought out, it it completely changed and just became very full on animal rights. But um, is there anything similar? Look, there's, I'd not, look, there's, we're, yes and no. I mean, I think there's,
1: there's obviously there's content or websites, content hubs that are doing lots of you know great news pieces and obviously plant based news and we've kindly but we've got that much stronger fashion,
0: um, beauty. That's what I meant, sort of, yeah, in fashion. Yes,
1: no, no. I think we really, I think for us there really is an opportunity to carve out something here and own this. And yeah. um, you know, even even we've always said that we don't want to be campaigny, but you know, even um, looking at you know like the use of leather in the fashion industry and mm. I'm quite passionate about this. I mean, interestingly, we had a conversation about fur and I think it was either sell or shine. I said, oh, we can't do fur again. And it's like, well, we, we can actually because yeah. although the fashion house, ha- well, even though the fashion houses are, you know, all sort of coming out and announcing they're not using fur, as an industry, sort of great report from Act Asia, and as an industry, it's actually growing. So it's like, okay, oh. we're not done with this conversation. <laughs> we're going to talk about it some more. Right, um, right. So it's, I think uh, the challenge editorially is how do we, you know it's how do we make some of this information That's not always great or interesting reading how do we make people care about it so
0: yeah for sure i know oh i thought well, there was something just recently come out about the uh cashmere i think it is um yes peter did a thing and it was just horrific and i think it's horrific that's why i think it's so important that, to do what you're doing because i say there is a big uh, focus on food and i think fashion is an area where um, it, we really kind of need this information so that people go, Oh, that gorgeous, soft, you know, thing that your material you're touching, you know, actually came from, you know, screaming, terrified animals in agony. And it's it's important, I guess, to get that out there, but to also offer an alternative and to say, Here's, a, you know, an amazing, stylish alternative rather than exactly oh, you've got to wear a straw sack or do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, really boring. No, oh, look, <laughs> have, look, have, look, and there is some really
1: exciting things happening. I mean, one of the things we're looking at doing is we've just put a pitch into um, the virgin australia melbourne fashion festival and would oh. love to be involved with them next year in hosting like a vegan collection and sponsoring some young designers working with new materials
0: that would uh, again be just the change amazing i know because <laughs> so, they're that doing is, that like, in la i think there was a vegan fashion absolutely. week or in la and it's starting to happen in the u.s i think that would be great i'd love to see something like that in uh, in australia and my friend justin runs a vegan style he's um been on the show and everything in melbourne he does the shoes and i know he's often, he often lends you know like clothes uh, shoes rather for, for fashion shows we'll like definitely, definitely be, be you interested you that. <laughs> yeah because he does really nice brand, like really kind of you know not just you know your sensible lesbian shoe uh, not lesbian yeah. shoe, <laughs> like that vegan shoe <laughs> <laughs> oh, i had a double whammy there of like the, the that <laughs> i used to wear when i was oh it was it the late 1980s and uh, i go to <laughs> consciousness raising at women's workshops and I had these really sensible like they weren't vegan unfortunately at the time like Doc Martin type boots and I but I also had my screaming red lipstick and long hair and a t-shirt saying <laughs> sisters are doing it for themselves and I was told that that wasn't good enough my lipstick and long hair was not good enough and I said but I've got sensible shoes so that's where that came out but anyway um yeah like um you know but he does really like stylish um, fashion I think that's important because there is this myth that vegan fashion is boring is uh, you know cheap you know cheaply made poor quality and totally i think it's really important i know people i've interviewed i you know i love the lovely uh Sugant from goodness who's in my book and has been on the show Angelo, all of those that are doing these wonderful products that are beautiful and you know great quality. like even melbourne
1: like um sans beast like with what Catherine's doing and just it's such oh her stuff is so gorgeous and you know it's australian and she's, she's yeah. got that strong face background I it, oh, it's it is a really exciting space and I think that it's like I said like that's for us it was all like well you know where where is the easy to find to your point there is that sort of um, oh, you know, that perception that it's daggy and dated. We just actually ran an editorial piece that Sarah did on fashion mythbusters, exactly addressing those things right. as a piece of editorial, that it's not stylish, that it's it's not good for the environment or it's not, you know, so just sort of breaking down some of those. Right. And and, and look, as a brand, it's funny because when our brief, our brief to our designer who we've worked with on a couple of different things before, and again, X magazines um, is... It was basically, okay, we don't want to see any green. We don't want to see an apple. We don't want to see any fruit. We don't want to see any animals. Like we want it to be unexpected. We want people to almost be challenged. We've got a really strong logo. It's You know, it's sort of the way... you know, the brand ID is something that I think we're all really proud of because it's not what you'd expect from a vegan brand. Nice, yeah. It's too easy to default
0: to the the fruit and the green and everything, isn't it? And it's beautiful
1: and there's a place for that. It's so beautiful (laughs) and it's just like for us it was like, no, we just want to be, we don't want that. We actually want to challenge so that, and almost so that there's that, I mean, I know um, there's been that research, you know, which I know you've spoken about as well, about, you know, the, the word vegan can be a negative and do you use it or do you not use it? Yeah, and we we deliberately chose to use the word vegan because it was, um, and then have this sort of juxtaposition with what the brand
0: looked like. So nice. that it was yeah, demystifying the word and everything absolutely yeah, and, no, and, I love
1: that. and actually owning it and sort of shaking shaking some of the shame off it because I think there is there can I mean I remember when we started Meat Free Week we met with this fantastic chef and she was really supportive and she was like oh I'm really glad you're not using the word vegan whatever you do just don't use the word vegan (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) things have changed I mean that was like you know that was sort of six years ago but things have changed but it was like oh note to self don't say the word vegan (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's cool and I wanted to ask you just touch on one one question I wanted to ask you that popped in why did you choose to go with like an online model versus say you know like digital magazines you can get which are basically Mm. you lay them out like a print mag but they're fully digital so and then people can click on issue or something and you can physically turn the page why did Mm. you choose to go like with online versus a digital mag Mm. versus even print
1: look okay so we've all come from a print background and so we were so look although we weren't on editorial we were on the advertising and strategy side so very involved with editorial um worked really closely with them so from a um you know, and you're obviously involved with pagination. It's, look, it's not that it's a dying medium, but it, look, I think there'll be a resurgence actually in print media, but it will be for really, um, you know, high-end niche titles is where it'll go. And it just wasn't, maybe because we'd all done it for so long, it just, it didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, Sales sort of um, operated since in the um, digital marketing space. Uh, Laney and I had run the campaign with Meat Free Week, which was really all online. Um, the, the the business that I'm still involved with, you know, with my ex husband is an online business. So I just, I think for me, that's sort of where it's at. I I personally don't like those digital magazines. I find them frustrating to read. Um, I think if you're going to read a magazine, a print version, at least it's sort of a luxury experience. You can sit down with a cup of tea and, you know, again, I'm probably showing my,
0: (laughs) (laughs) no, I get it. I get it. (laughs) But
1: but there's going back to that modeling um, you know, Mind Body Green is just a, it's a, it's a site that I really loved. Um, Goop was another one that we all quite liked. I know that brings up that's Gwyneth Paltrow's one Like, We go, oh, Goop, it's terrible. But, <laughs> I think there was, but, you know, like I just think that I like the idea, we all liked the idea of being able to go to a site, something that was easy to navigate. And if I wanted to find a bit of information here or a bit of information there, I could. So, again, going back to this, why are we doing this? We're trying to make it easier for people to. For, for people like us, but just younger, <laughs> 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 to transition if they were, you know, a lot of people say they're vegan. They're actually really a plant-based eater. Do you know what I mean? Yes, they haven't, absolutely. They haven't, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was a bit like, how do we make it easy? And I, so I think it has to be uh, visual. It's got to be easy. And because we were running with the affiliate model, that just made sense because you, you embed the links into whether it's the editorial copy or then obviously with the shop. So, you know, for, from a modelling point of view, that also... the the model also drives some of that
0: decision yeah got it now i understand i mean i I get that with the whole digital mag thing because you have to i find i I don't really want to read something on my sitting upright on my computer and if even if i look at it on my ipad i've got to keep zooming in and zooming out and it's (laughs) whereas you know just plop an article in front of me it's much easier to read so i get that but i was just curious having you know your experience with publishing why you chose that model so thank you that's brilliant you shared some really great stuff so just to wrap up then tell us a bit about so what's the the long-term vision i guess for you yourself and the brand
1: yeah well look I suppose now what we're seeing with the revenue that's been generated it's actually it's promising definitely like that's that's the good news and so I suppose we're going okay well this probably requires you know it, it's like so if we were to do I'm, I'm not, not going to say if I'm going to say when we um, nice <laughs>
0: Nice reframe, I like that. No, absolutely, like, you know, we will make it happen one way or another. So,
1: um, but, you know, doing this sort of vegan um, fashion show, um, you know, that will require funding, so which the model itself at the moment can, you know, the model itself can, you know, we can cover sort of things like writers and we can reinvest back into digital marketing. So that's all fine. But then when we want to start doing bigger, more ambitious projects, then I suppose that's where we're at now going okay well if we to take it to the next level that's really about funding and that's really about you know how do we take this business to the next level so it really is to be a you know i suppose like i mean we used to say global now let's just say australian or you know southern hemisphere but like a go-to destination for you know for all things um vegan fashion beauty you know and feel good news
0: Wonderful. I love it. Fantastic. It's been really great speaking with you, Melissa. I think we've dug into some really interesting aspects and you've been very generous in sharing your expertise and, and just your your business journey. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And the the only the one thing I'd say is just if you're, you know, if people are starting out, just you know, just be don't be afraid to back yourself. Like do your homework and You know, I think really um, you've got to have grit. If you go, you you know this, Katrina, you know, talking to people, you've just got to have grit because you're going to hit some tough times. And I think it's all about the planning and really focusing on, you know, your why. Why why do I do this? Because in those tough times, your why is is going to be the thing that actually keeps you
0: moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again, Melissa. Thank you. So that was Melissa Hobbs from The Vegan Company. You can find out more at thevegancompany.love And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 121. Now for some vegan business news highlights. Applications are open for the third annual Pitch and Plant, the plant-based business investment pitching competition created by UK-based media and events startup VVolution in 2017. In a new development for 2019, VVolution has announced that it will make investments directly into startups. Damien Clarkson, who was on this podcast recently in episode 117 with co-founder Judy Nadal, said v is looking for businesses that can have great social impact. We want to support businesses which transform the way we eat and how we treat the planet, Damien said. We're open to applications from plant-based meat and dairy businesses and other areas including health, tech, beauty, media and businesses with circular economic principles. This year, the Pitch and Plant Judging Panel will include Damien and Judy and several other high-profile entrepreneurs including Veganuary Chairman Matthew Glover. Applications close at midnight on the 18th of June, UK time. You can apply at vvolution.co forward slash pitch hyphen plant hyphen 2019. And that link is on the show notes page for this episode. The alternative protein market could be worth $140 billion in the next decade, according to analysts at Barclays, reports CNBC. The analyst said that while lab-based meat is still likely several years away from hitting supermarket shelves, plant-based protein continues to gain ground compared with animal-based proteins. And the financial services company expects this trend to continue for the foreseeable future. They even concluded that there is a bigger market opportunity for plant-based and maybe even lab-based protein than perhaps was argued for electric vehicles 10 years ago. Now, while this is still just a fraction of the meat industries, which are worth trillions of dollars, it's still heartening to see this growth. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.